Assalamualaikum. Peace and blessings to all our listeners out there. Welcome to Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and, Im- uh, and Imam Imran Akram. So it's been a long time. Uh, we've both been in the studio. How are you, Imran? Uh, in the name of Allah, the most gracious, ever merciful. Uh, it's a wonderful to see you back. And <laughs> I was missing, uh, you know, uh, doing show with you. Uh, it was always a pleasure to do a show with likewise, you. Likewise, likewise, yeah. likewise. But actually, I always, uh, with all our presenters, we, we, we hit a bit of the weather. Uh-huh. And actually, it's looking nice, isn't it now? Yeah, actually, if, I'm, I couldn't imagine this kind of weather in February. So mm-hmm. um, I was quite enjoying the weather yesterday because mm-hmm. it was very uh, sunny so yeah, it I almost feels like spring right true true and uh, when I was coming uh, here uh, to do the show uh, the tree has flowers and you know mm-hmm. the, you see the, the blossoms. different co- yeah, blossoms and different colors so I was very uh, I was very pleasure to see the you know yeah uh, yeah I, I think even last week when uh, we had uh, Rana Atta in mm-hmm. he was like saying, yeah you know when, when you're driving in or you're coming into the studios and it's all dark uh-huh. And it's four o'clock. Yeah, you think mm, it, you, it's not that you feel negative, or you just feel a bit down. You don't feel as happy, right? As soon as the sun comes out, there's a different uh, aspect to your day already. Yeah, right? it feel like uh, you're you you sort of you know it charge up to you. It yeah, exactly. You, it gives yeah. you a bit of a uh, yeah, a bit of energy. Yeah, yeah. And with that energy. We'll be discussing our uh, two subjects, right? Because, like, normally on a on a Monday on a drive time, we we look at very contemporary and uh, you know critical, I suppose, critical topics uh, to our society today. And we try and look uh, also if there's a there's a remedy for these uh, troubled times in the troubled times that we're in uh, through the lens of Islam. So, what have we got today? Uh, um, so for the first hour we'll be talking about social media called mm-hmm. to Islam uh, we'll be uh, in the first hour we'll be talking about how social media spe- specifically TikTok and other platform like uh, Facebook Instagram how mm. they Snapchat. are uh, Snapchat and how they are you know influencing especially the youngsters mm-hmm. uh, uh, to to come into the fold of Islam okay. uh, and then we'll be taking on uh, some new converts into Islam and Islam Ahmadiyyat and uh, we'll be talking about what roles media play, especially mm-hmm. social media, uh, preaching the message of Islam. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, th- I think that's the, the, that's the gist of it. And in the second mm-hmm. hour, we'll be talking about uh, um, we'll be talking about uh, the uh, you know uh, the service a, to humanity yeah, from the youth. The, right? the second caliph, uh, yeah. how uh, he encourage the youth of the Muslim community to service their country and generally humanity regardless of the their creed, their religion. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's race, color, or creed, yeah. or religion. Yeah. So very contemporary subjects, or very actually much needed subjects, because you know it's addressing social media and how social media can be a positive influence in our lives, uh, and also um, the youth of today. You know, mm-hmm. where can they seek inspiration? Because although we're looking at the message that the second Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community gave to the youth. Uh, Muslim youth within the community, obviously, the, the you know there's it's far it's it's f- further reaching than just within our community. So without further ado, um, you know, in today's show with the first segment of uh, you know social media, a call to Islam, and we look at um, how social media can be used in a positive way. And uh, now more than ever, Islam has come into mainstream news, obviously, uh, Mm. Imran, with uh, mainly due to uh, the Palestine-Israeli conflict. Uh, 
Mm-hmm. Right. Although I'll tell I'll tell our listeners out there, it's a war. It's it was scripted <laughs> as war. Uh, to me, a war is engaged by two, I suppose, equally sided you know, opponents. Mm-hmm. Whereas <laughs> this is not really an equally sided conflict, really, is it? It's it is in biblical terms a David and Goliath, really, mm-hmm. right? Uh, I mean, people are uh, turning to social media to, uh, to get their information uh, about Islam, uh, and uh, you know, and and I'm sure for a lot of non-Muslims out there, they see the reports that come on social media and even in mainstream media, and you know, the the atrocities which are now currently and have previously been visited upon the Palestinian peoples. And I'm sh- and, and a lot of people are wondering, well, you know, what what is the strength of a religion that can still give them solace in these trying times? And Islam is there for them to to look at, right? Yeah, I mean, um, if you when you look towards the atrocities and you know uh, the difficulty the Palestinian brothers and sisters are facing then you think how they are surviving in this situation. They don't mm-hmm. have water to drink. They don't have mm-hmm. the basic necessities of life. They, were, they are bombarded everywhere, from everywhere, from the sky, from the ground. Mm-hmm. And then you still, when you see and to the, you know, on social media, they are still have smiling faces. Mm-hmm. So you, you think, back of your mind, what drives them, you know, what gives them the motivation. Mm-hmm. And then uh, it's really the, the I think, the, the Islam, because Islam always say that, the, these kind of trial and tribulation will come upon you. Mm, to a true believer. To, to, to a true believer. And mm-hmm. then whoever uh, stay patient and uh, pray to Allah the Almighty, God Almighty, uh, then there will be a glad hiding for him. So I think that that really uh, also influenced the other um, people who, who are not in that situation, but mm-hmm. they are closely watching that conflict. Yeah, especially, I mean, if, mm-hmm. it is. It's, it's, it's very moving mm-hmm. uh, at the end of the day. When you see... Uh, and in my mind, when we're talking about this, I remember right at the beginning of the conflict, uh, there was a, a, a grandfather who, um, you know, had had been saying, "Look, you know, had been playing with his his grandchildren, a granddaughter," and literally days later, uh, his building or their flat had been bombed. Um, his effectively, his whole family had died right in that bombing. And yes, that he was in tears, holding you know the dead body of his his granddaughter. But whilst everyone around him um, was crying, you know his other family members, he although had tears because of obviously you know there, there's the human emotion of losing um, you know a granddaughter, someone close to you, right? But then there was this conviction that, you know, and, and he said, uh, and I think the translation was that, you know, why why cry? Hmm. Why cry? Because, you know, she's gone to Janat, right? She's gone to heaven. And this is what we believe. So, you know, these are our struggles that God has given us, but God has given us a way also to, to enter into paradise. So, you know, this is the misconception, I think, of a lot of, uh, and I think Western media does propagate this as well, uh, that on the flip side, if you look at it, right, they say, oh, these um, fundamental Islamist uh, terrorists, right, go out there thinking, oh, they will sacrifice their lives and they will gain salvation, they will gain uh, entry into paradise, into heaven, right? Actually, that's a complete 
I mean, you you can verify this, right? You're you're uh, you're mm. an imam, mm. but um, complete misinterpretation, right, of certain verses in the Holy Quran, and you know um, the law, actually the Sharia that is handed down from the Holy Quran, because you know that's not a way to enter paradise, uh, to take your own life, right, and to harm innocent people. But actually, a more valid way is how this grandfather was like, saying, look, yes, I I mourn for the loss of my, my granddaughter, but actually, you know, the firmness of his faith and the belief in the hereafter and God that actually she's gone to a better life now. Absolutely. I mean, you mentioned very very good point here that, you know, um, generally when you heard the word of Islam, generally the the, the concept uh, of Islam, in, especially in media, is that Islam is, God forbid, a religion that support uh, violence. But when you really look towards the original text of the of the Islam, which is the Holy Quran, then you really find that Islam does not the Holy Quran and the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him throughout his life. He does not preach violence, rather. The, the very uh, foundation of Islam is based on human sympathy. Mm-hmm. So when these, you know, the youngsters, when they go and open the Holy Quran, they totally find different picture of Islam, which is the, the peace. And that is why I think that, that is what draw them towards Islam. Mm-hmm. Because Islam gives you the, the peace, the purpose of life, brotherhood and uh, um, sisterhood. And really it gives you really the, the, the inner peace of, mm-hmm. of oneself. Well, I mean, it's the message of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, right? That he has brought along a religion and it's the universal religion. This is a religion which is open to everybody, not just, you know, at the time, 1400 years ago, to those Arabs in the Arabic or in the Arabian Peninsula. Ultimately, if you, ex- um, if you extrapolate the timeline, it's really the universal religion for the whole of mankind, for the hu- whole of humanity. And I think that's what draws people. Definitely. Right? Because ultimately they, they see, you know, what we see in media and the negative image of Islam, which is propagated by media. Uh, but also really it's because of these the, the minority who uh, of so-called Muslims who do these crimes right who bomb you know these places take innocent lives and say that this is, this is in the name of islam and then it's propagated by mainstream media but now there's the beauty of social media whereby you have actually no that's all lies right this is true islam and you know with all our platforms that we have uh, in the community uh, in our community our uh, uh, amadea muslim community we can defend Islam that way. But to speak more about uh, her, her own uh, journey into Islam or journey into Ahmadiyyat, we're joined by our first guest today, uh, Abi Hafiz. Now, Abi is a, a Muslim convert uh, who actually uses her TikTok to promote Islam. Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you. Uh, Abi, thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Walaikum salam. Thank you so much for the invitation. So, you know... You converted to uh, Islam Ahmadiyyat back in 2016, uh, whilst uh, oh, actually, sorry, no, I'm, I'm reading, I'm reading the the bio for someone else. Sorry, my mistake. Uh, apologies. No I mean, problem. coming back for your for our listeners and myself, yeah, could you explain a little about uh, 
a little bit about who you are. Yes, sure. So my name is Abby Hafiz, mm-hmm. and I am an American Muslim revert, and I actually just reverted to Islam in November um, when I started reading the Quran um, mm-hmm. because I was inspired um, from what's happening in Palestine. Mm-hmm. So when you say revert, you, you believed uh, in another form of Islam, not the... Uh, what we would say, you know, our true Islam in the Ahmadiyya Muslim community? Actually, I was Christian before I became Muslim, but I'm using the term revert mm-hmm. because as Muslims, there's a belief that we were born Muslim, but then whatever our parents taught us, that's what we started to believe in. Mm-hmm. So so explain for us, you know, your journey uh, to you know, from you know, reverting to a uh, Muslim. I mean, what made you want to revert to being a Muslim? Because, you know, as we were, myself and Imran were talking about, Islam and being a Muslim has such a negative connotation nowadays, globally. Yeah, unfortunately, there is a very negative view on Muslims and Arabs and the Middle East in general, actually. Um, but... Actually, once I moved to Dubai um, two years ago, I started to open my eyes to um, the Middle East, to Arabs, and I started to see Islam a bit. Um, by the Afan going off, by my husband, he's Muslim, I started to see how he's respectful, kind, caring. Um, so I started to, little by little, know a bit about Islam. But I never really felt it was a religion for me until I opened the Quran for myself. Um, so that came in November. I started reading the Quran, and just a couple of weeks after that, I reverted to Islam. Okay, um, Abby, you mentioned that um, the Holy Quran really inspired you. What, what, uh, what is the specific thing in the Holy Quran uh, which you, you you think that uh, really inspired you or uh, help you to convert into Islam? Yeah, I will say that the whole Quran, honestly. But specifically, Mm Al-Baqarah was speaking directly to me, and it was really giving me so much peace about what was happening in Palestine. I was really, um, really heartbroken over the death and over the oppression, and it just, it really broke my heart to hear what was happening. Um, Mm. So I started to feel hopeless, and I was looking for something, you know, to hold on to, some kind of hope. Right. And... I, I just uh, I opened the Quran because I saw how strong the Muslim Palestinian faith was, and I opened the Quran, and it's like it was speaking to me, giving hmm. me peace, giving me hope in this time. It was amazing, Subhanallah. Yeah, fantastic. And I mean, um, you know, as as a, as a born Muslim, when I when I, whenever I open Quran myself. And, you know, sometimes as a human being, you have doubts, um, you know, uh, regarding something. Though, But r- it really mm-hmm. speaks to you, the Holy Quran. It really clarifies your doubt. You're very right in saying. Yeah. Uh, so, um, Abhi, being on social media, it, it's important to talk about these stereotypes involved uh, with being Muslim. What backlash do you receive when talking about Islam? All kinds. <laughs> <laughs> I've been called any name under the sun. I am... You know, some of the messages and comments I get, I'm like, wow, your mother would be ashamed if she saw that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I'm like trying to ask Allah for forgiveness for them because like, wow, that's bad. Um, 
I think it's just, um, it, it's a lot of misconceptions. Even in the U.S., it's a lot of um, hiding the truth mm-hmm. of Islam. It, it's twisting um, Islam into a false narrative. You know, there's so many lies, unfortunately, with the Western media. And now, now that I have my eyes open and my heart is open, it's like, it's easy to see what's the truth, but for people who are still, you know, under those lies and they didn't yet find the truth, it's harder for them to understand. Mm. But don't you think, say for instance, uh, I presume from your uh, your accent that I think you said you're originally from the U.S. So yes. you know your your experience in U.S. of President Trump. And why I bring uh, President Trump up is that. It's it actually befuddles me how um, this president or could be a potential presidential candidate, right, okay. uh, and ex-president was able to garner so much support and still does, given mm-hmm. given you know his presidency and what's you know come out about him, um, and you know some some uh, some would say. He has actually almost there's a something called cultism or the cult of Trumpism, okay. Mm-hmm. Regardless of whatever this man has done, you know, uh, and a lot of things that he's done is have been illegal. That people still support him, and it's that blind faith which I yeah. would, you know, almost equate to having that blind faith of religion. And, mm-hmm. you know, has that actually uh, happened in America where by, you know, Christianity has lost its way, maybe its message mm-hmm. that it's it's giving out. And right now there is that, I suppose, that that vacuum whereby people want because intrinsically we want to believe in something. We want to believe in a creator. Mm-hmm. And thereby, I'm not saying don't hold, don't hold me to this. I'm not equating you know the ex-president Trump to be a, a creator, but mm-hmm. when there's a vacuum within one's life of you know a creator, a belief in something which is mm-hmm. beyond us, right? Then yeah. you 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 want to you want to attach yourself to something like that, right? Mm-hmm. So my question being. Um, I mean, why do you think then, you know, obviously it's it's been a, I suppose, a bit of a, uh, an accelerator or I should say uh, with regards to the Palestinian, uh, this, this, this conflict in Israel, uh, between Israel and Palestine. Why do you think there is been this, this turnout and this, this interest now in Islam? Could this be one of those things? Yeah, I think um, people especially in um, in like uh, USA and this area, um, people are starting to realize that they've been lied to about a lot of things. Mm-hmm. And um, they're, they're finally seeing the truth. They're finally being exposed to Islam in like a, a truthful way, in a way that they never saw Islam before. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're seeing it in a real and raw way, you know. They're seeing Palestinian mothers holding their children and thanking Allah, even with all of the hard hardships they're going through, the destruction in their life. They're, they're still thanking Allah. This is the thing that people are interested in. They want to know how can a human being suffer so much mm-hmm. and still thank Allah 
How can someone think Allah at a time like that? Mm. Um, how can they think God at a time like that? And that's why me as a Christian, when I saw that, I said, how could I thank God at that time? And I didn't think I could. So that's when I said, I need to see what's in this Quran. I need to see what it is that they believe in so strongly mm-hmm. right, to be able to feel like that. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what started my journey. And I think that's what's inspiring a lot of people right now too. the same kind of feeling of, mm-hmm. you know, wanting to know what's this strong faith that they have. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as a final question, Abby, I mean, what would you say to those who have doubts about Islam and, you know, have seen or are influenced? Yeah, I suppose that that is the term nowadays in social media, being influenced or being an influencer. But being influenced mm-hmm. with this negative connotation of Islam, you know, that we have mm-hmm. ever since really, and even predates 9-11, right? But ultimately, mm-hmm. that was the line in the sand that was drawn about yeah. Islam, that, you know, Islam is... Uh, unfortunately, the religion of terror, right? I mean, if you know, what would you say to those doubters? I would say just open the Quran for yourself. Don't tell yourself you need to believe in it or or have any ideas about what may be inside. Open the Quran for yourself, and you will be the judge of whether it is a religion of terror or if it's a religion of peace. Mm -hmm. And I think... Anyone who opens the Quran with with a sincere desire to learn and to understand, they will be Muslim at the end. (laughs) This is my um, belief. Mm -hmm. But if not Muslim, they will have a deeper understanding for their fellow humans. Mm -hmm. If every single human in the world understood each other, I really don't think that we would have as much conflict. We would be much more connected and much more loving, and I don't think we would have these conflicts and wars anymore. Mm-hmm. Mm. I totally agree with you there, Abby. It's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us and sharing us, sharing with us and our listeners uh, your your experiences and your journey uh, to Islam. Uh, Abby Hafiz, thank you very much. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum. Walaikum salam. O two o eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. Um, I mean, there's you know. I don't know what to say to that because, you know, that is what we want to hear. Uh, I mean, you know, someone who obviously has been brought up uh, in you know, a Christian background, but then has, you know, s- sought out guidance and through the Quran has found that guidance. I think uh, one thing which really, ins- uh, you know, inspired me or I would say it is, is uh, that it is also the voice of my heart is that, when you open the Quran, it Quran itself claimed that it clears the doubt mm-hmm. uh, within your heart, and it gives you the nur light, and mm-hmm. it guides you towards the uh, straight path. So I think the, 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 she gives a very beautiful answer that whoever is finding or or whoever believes that Islam is a religion of violence or Islam promote violence or or other allegation, just open the Quran mm-hmm. and. Uh, if you were not convert, at least you will believe that all of the, those allegations are wrong. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think this is the this is the best way to move forward. Yeah, it's clear. it's fine. You know, we we have been blessed with the message of Islam Ahmadiyat here in the community, um, and with that, we we know that actually yes, this is the universal uh, religion. So we're we're a bit biased. 
But I think one of the things that Abby was like saying is that you know, open the Quran. If you've never had an experience of the Quran, but if you open the Quran and you start reading, you just start doing your own research. But first and foremost, you have to do that research with an open head or an open mind. You know, try and cast away uh, any other preconceptions that you may have had regarding Islam and the Quran and just read it as if you yourself are a blank page and you're absorbing that information. But in, in terms of that, the founder of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Mirza Ghulam Ahmad, uh, may Allah be pleased him, actually touched upon this phenomenon, right, recognizing a profound prophecy uh, within the word Quran itself. He articulated this as... The prophecy that is that this book alone is the Quran, i.e. a book that is worthy of being recited, and there will be a time when this will be the case even more so than before. So if you ponder upon you know, the words of the promised Messiah, it's like, well, it's, it's, not, it's, it's not like, say, for instance, uh, a good novel, right? And where I'm trying to get there, because because Imran's looking over me with a very quizzical <laughs> look, like, where are you going with this, Talib? But say, for instance, you come across a good book, a novel, right? You think, oh, my goodness, that's so good read, right? But once you've finished it, that's it. You put it away. You put it back on the bookshelf. And maybe you'll revisit that later on in life. And you think, oh, actually, that's a good book. I, you know. Whereas with the Holy Quran... The more and more you recite it, the more you want to recite it. It's like a magnet to yourself. Definitely. Um, I would say, you know, as the promised Messiah rightly said that uh, the word Quran itself, it it, uh, it 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 prophesies that the Quran, when, when you look to the uh, and into the Arabic lexicon grammar, Qara means the one who recites, and Quran is the book which is which is going to be recited most mm-hmm. in the future. So Quran itself, the, the word carries the prophecy that this book going to mm-hmm. be uh, will be recited most on the face of the earth. And uh, then in a, in another prophecy in the Holy Quran it says, and when the various people are brought together, the second caliph of Ahmadiyya Muslim community he interpreted this verse that when the means of transport and communication will become so developed and when uh, intercourse between people living in far off uh, lands will become so easy and frequent as to make them unite into one people. So the Quran really prophesies that in the future there will be a new means of communication and through mm-hmm. that uh, as if you're you know a one you know one people or as if you're becoming world becoming a global village mm-hmm. so uh, through social media mm-hmm. uh, we really uh, it really helped to spread the message of islam mm-hmm. as ab you know was uh, able to accept islam mm-hmm. i mean and you know with social media because it's a tool imran yeah it's only as good as the user effectively very powerful or very misused so some of the pros of social media uh, you know it's useful for educational purposes you know you can if you are like abby you have your own account you can build your brand uh, you can reach obviously a global you know with the internet you can reach a global audience now um, you can stay up uh, up to date uh, you can connect to new people or, uh, because that's the point you know this I suppose conflict that's out in Palestine uh, between you know Palestine and Israel that you've it's motivated a lot of people to see the the, the atrocities the, the genocide which has been enacted upon the Palestinian people by Israel is that wow yeah 
you know, regardless of whatever our own state media is saying, with social media, we're getting, you know, another look at the truth, you know, the reality of what's happening out there. And that's the power. But also, there is, you know, as with any tool, mm-hmm. right, there is, uh, you know, some kind of negatives. Right? Negative so what are the negative aspects? Uh, definitely, um, there are a couple of negative, as you mentioned, that everything has a pros and cons. With social media, it also has, you know, downside or negative effect of it. For example, uh, it is, it, I mentioned some, the pros of social media, using social media. So uh, useful, you know, useful educational purposes. Social mm-hmm. media provides a platform to share uh, educational content about Islam, about your, you know, uh, your, your your certain field which you're working, including teaching, you know, principal history of Islam and current events through post video and articles and live session. You can reach a wider audience and educate them about the beauty and teaching of Islam. Then, um, social media really, you know, it reaches a large audience. Social media platform are platform have billions of active users worldwide providing an unparalleled opportunity to reach a vast audience with the message of Islam. This is another huge benefit of social media. Then stay up to date. Social media keeps you informed about uh, you know current events, trends and discussion relevant to Islam and the global uh, Muslim community. Then also, as you mentioned, the social media also has some kind of ne- negative effects, uh, mm-hmm. spending a lot of time on social media. So social media is can be addictive. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, before you know it, on TikTok, <laughs> yeah. you've lost fifteen minutes, and you don't know where yeah. that, those fifteen minutes have gone. It happens you know, to me that I, every time you, you know, if you when see the time, or it happened to me yesterday that I went to see the calendar and then opening up uh, the. Uh, YouTube and then looking the shorts and after you know it's already You've 20 lost minutes gone. <laughs> <laughs> You've gone into the time yeah. which is which is YouTube. <laughs> and I, I think uh, Imran, just to come on mm. you know fake news. Yeah. Obviously, you know there's no regulation in terms of the veracity of news because anyone can mm. can can produce content, right? Regardless of the platform that you're on. Uh, obviously there are certain um probity issues right but in terms of information that you can give out you can give out anything so it is wise whenever you hear something whether it be on tiktok youtube snapchat whatever social media twitter or formerly or x formerly known as twitter (laughs) you need to verify the uh, you know the sources of that media but uh, to talk more regarding social media and actually a journey to islam and you know is our next guest uh hassan uh Mushtaba, 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 right? Who actually converted to Ahmadiyat in 2016, uh, whilst he was in Pakistan. Uh, he's a chartered accountant by profession and works for one of the big four f- uh, firms in Denmark. Assalamualaikum, peace and blessings be upon you, Hassan. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Well, uh, thank you for having me today. So we're talking about uh, you know the call to Islam. And you know this new vehicle that you know people are using uh, social media. I mean, can you tell uh, our our listeners out there about your own personal journey uh, to becoming an Amadi convert? Of course, um, you know, Well, I'd say um, well from a very young age, I was quite intrigued as to you know why you know the different sects 
and Muslims keep mm-hmm. fighting with each other and they keep saying, you know, they're the best version of what Islam should be. Mm-hmm. And I was quite intrigued as to if everybody says they're right and who actually is right. Um, and I kind of pondered about uh, on this hadith uh, about um, there would be three, 73 sects in Islam mm-hmm. and one would be a Jamaat and that Jamaat would be, uh, you know, in the right course of action. Um, so, um, and then I kind of build into the different um, sects there are in, in Islam and kind of, you know, got some information um, of, you know, what they follow or what they don't follow, etc. Then I stumbled, luckily, uh, uh, on, onto a friend who um, uh, gave me an introduction of, of the Jamaat itself. Um, and then I started reading um, and researching on my own. I um, pretty much um, used Al-Islam as my main Search engine. Um, go, yeah, search engine, exactly, <laughs> to kind of navigate as to, you know, what the Jamaat says versus what, you know, mm-hmm. other um, sects kind of say about them. Um, I guess my turning point was, you know, when I was researching on my own was, you know, everybody, all the other sects were kind of like ganging up against mm-hmm. the Muslims. And that was like, you know, in, in my head, it was kind of proving that Hadith of, you know, there would be, 73 sects and one would be right and the other yeah and others would just gang up against them mm-hmm. um so it was in my head um you know kind of like a proving point but you know as i researched and as i, as I read hazam zimod last books uh, i kind of figured out that um you know most of the um, things they say about md muslims is is picked from mm-hmm. books and they, they kind of have out of context passages in there trying to convey a different message than what the books actually say mm-hmm. um, so that in my head kind of was like um, you know the point that you know if you're going to um, cherry pick items out of any book be it the Holy Quran or be it someone mm-hmm. else's you know writings that that shows that you're actually um, trying to prove, prove a point that is not based on the truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, just for the listeners, uh, alislam.org is the is the website, the the main website of uh, Ahmadiyya Muslim community where you can go and uh, look um, and find out yourself uh, uh, regarding the true message of Islam. Um, um, and also, there are a couple of uh, you know YouTube channel you can go on Tahir Archive, and there are a couple of you know t- um, hundreds of video uh, regarding um, uh, what. Islam Ahmadid believe uh, regarding the coming of the Messiah and uh, you will find your answer there uh, God willing inshallah um, Hassan um, uh, what are your views um, about how Islam is perceived in the media yeah unfortunately um, you know ever since um, 9-11 and you know the events right afterwards Islam has been portrayed quite negatively and it's really an unfortunate um, matter in nowadays where you know anything that a Muslim you know does bad is associated with Islam whereas if the same activity is done by you know a person of a different religion they'll say that it was just a bad man or you know that individual's own responsibility or whatever he did um, so it's just it's just really a sad reality then in today's world media is um, you know portraying Islam very negatively um, and I think it, it it's the right time for people to open their eyes and just kind of put like a um, 
you know, put the right glasses or spectacles mm-hmm. in, the, in their eyes to really see through what the media is trying to uh, portray and, and, you know, talk to Muslims, talk to the right people to get, you know, first-hand information instead of just blindly following what they see on TV. Because I, I think you were mentioning earlier as well, uh, you know, the social media and even, you know, regular media streams do not have that filter of authenticity anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, whereby anybody can just put information and, you know, have no responsibility over it. So it's just, you know, people need to take power in their hands in the sense that they need to verify the information firsthand before believing. Mm. And I think the experience, say, for instance, um, when the fourth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Mirza Musra Ahmad, um, came, uh, to the UK. I think that was around about 84. Is that right? Yeah, it was actually uh, the Mirza Tahir Ahmed. Oh, Mirza Tahir, yeah. sorry, Mirza <laughs> Tahir Ahmed. Yeah, it's 84. Yeah, 84. Yeah. So in those days, you know, social media, if we had any, we really didn't, right? Yeah. It was uh, its infancy. So if we look at it really in the past, I would say, yeah, 20 years, yeah. you've had that ability to research on your own, and you haven't had, I think, Hassan, the need to actually just rely on state media, rely on mainstream media to provide you accredited resources regarding whether it be Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, or Ahmadiyya Islamic, uh, our, our community here, or Islam in general. I mean, given where we are today, I mean, how do you keep up you know, with what's happening within uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim uh, community? Yeah, so I think the best way is, um, I would say again, Al-Islam, because that's obviously the most, uh, you know, reliable uh, website. I mean, the main website, we get good content of, you know, what Ahmadiyya is, uh, why we follow what we follow, and, you know, what does the Holy Quran say about, you know, the different things that we believe in. Mm-hmm. Uh, apart from that, then there are obviously official um, um, social media platforms, like one of yourselves, just the Voice of Islam, mm-hmm. which I think truly um, allocates uh, the, the, the message of, of true Ahmadiyyat. Um, so I think... If if we if anybody needs to get uh, you know the right information about Ahmadiyya, they they should definitely just look up um, the authentic um, platforms there are of um, you know Ahmadiyya mm-hmm. in today's world. Yes, and a slightly off the track question, but um, you know the the new converts um, really struggle sometimes uh, when their parents find out that you know they accepted Islam Ahmadiyyat or if they come Christianity to to Islam. So what was the reaction of your uh, relatives and parents and how do you manage uh, those reactions? Uh, I think it can, can really help those people who just converted to Islam Ahmadiyyat or generally in Islam. Yeah, that's a tough one, right? So, uh, mm. And I was kind of expecting that question anyway. Um, we, we saved so, the best to yeah. last. <laughs> <laughs> So obviously it's 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 not a difficult uh, it's not an easy journey by mm. by all means obviously uh, you know when I told my parents they were obviously quite shocked and perplexed as to you know what was happened and they were trying to get to the bottom of okay you know who made it and what made you convert and all that and obviously I was able to explain everything but but still it was it was sort of a communication gap as to you know they felt that they felt. Um, in a way betrayed, mm. um, unfortunately, 
Uh, I suppose I as was... parents, Hassan, you feel that right? You've you've failed as a parent, right? Yeah, right. yeah. That that's exactly what 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 they communicated to me, and I was, mm. and I was, I, I tried my best as to communicate what true immediate actually is, and what they what what you know the promised Messiah Islam uh, has been, uh, you know, the responsibility that he's been given, and uh, mm. and how the prophecy has been. Um, has become true in in today's world and all that. So I was able to instill all that information by just uh, Allah only guides uh, who He wants to guide. Uh, and you know, I'm still on a journey mm-hmm. of you know um, doing all my um, you know guiding my parents and and my um, you know family into following the uh, following the right path. And I mm-hmm. definitely need prayers. But it was definitely def- definitely difficult conversations at that time mm-hmm. actually my mother didn't really speak to me for a year and a half um right. so it, it takes a mental toll on you and it really tests if it if tests you're your a true believer right. or not yeah it tests your uh, faith it it does exa- exactly mm-hmm. so um so i think if, if somebody uh, is um taking that leap of faith he should uh, or she should do it only when he is 110 percent sure Mm-hmm. And you know he should definitely pray to Allah because you know all that strength uh, only comes from Allah. Mm, very well said. Well, Hassan, um, it's been a pleasure talking to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Zakallah. or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. We've got a, a Insta because we're talking about social media. So on our uh, Insta story, we've asked, "What's your favourite social media?" Um, I mean, there's there's a plethora of platforms out there, but we've got, we've given you a choice of four: Instagram, X, or like I call it Twitter, <laughs> but X, TikTok, and Facebook. So what are our results? Yeah, I'm actually amazed. I thought it was TikTok, but uh, Instagram, uh, it took everyone. Uh, 76% of wow. people said that Instagram, X, um, Twitter, uh, 14%, TikTok, 7%, and Facebook, 3%. Okay, let's mm-hmm. just do a studio thing here, uh-huh. right? So what out of those four would you pick? Um, I would pick Instagram. <laughs> so you're, you're an Instagram guy. Mm. Uh, for me, hmm. it's X, right? Okay. Twitter. Yeah. So I'm much more of a not a visual guy, although I have now become more mm-hmm. with Twitter, uh, with TikTok. Mm-hmm. See, I think TikTok is more Gen Z. Is that the, the most mm-hmm. recent yeah, ones? Yeah. So that's more Gen Z, whereas Instagram is more your millennials. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, <laughs> X, which used to be formerly known as Twitter, is for us dinosaurs mm-hmm. who like to read some content, read as opposed to see mm-hmm. content. But yeah, that's quite interesting. Yeah, mm. that it's still Instagram holds the sway. I am there. amazed that Facebook has gone. Uh, I know it used to be very famous uh, yeah. when it well, was have launched. a big sway, right? Yeah. So now it's uh, it's gone. But mm. uh, you know, well, they're, well, not gone, mm-hmm. but uh, I suppose in a different phase. Yeah. I think it would be remiss of us because we're talking about social media. Uh, His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Mizar Masrul Ahmad, has made a statement regarding. Uh, social media um, and he, he starts off by quoting mm. chapter 24 verse 22 of the Holy Quran uh, which goes O ye who believe follow not the footsteps of Satan and whoso follows the footsteps of Satan should know that he surely enjoins immorality and manifest evil 
and but for the grace of Allah and his mercy upon you, not one of you would ever be pure, but Allah purifies whom he pleases, and Allah is all hearing, all knowing. Yeah, so he uh, continued to state, uh, it is important to erect defenses against Satan in our homes that not only uh, protect us from each attack, but are also able to launch a counterattack. Uh, do not let Satan enter your life uh, by accepting his love as true love. Instead, each Ahmadi, each Muslim Ahmadi should make effort to seek Allah's protection by doing istighfar, by doing repentance all the time. Allah the Exalted is the greatest defense against Satan. Thus, in this world gone astray, one should seek protection from Allah by doing istighfar, by doing uh, repentance. Because istighfar, because you know, repentance is the only way to come under the protection of Allah the Almighty. Mm. He further said, no uh, human knowingly approaches evil. Uh, it is against human nature to do, uh, to do something that one knows will lead them to harm. Allah the Exalted has clearly explained uh, the good and the evil to a true believer. One should identify good and evil according to the teachings of Allah, uh, Allah the Exalted, and should act or abstain accordingly. Satan knows that he cannot harm a man who is in the protection and uh, force, force of Allah, uh, the fort of Allah the Exalted. Therefore, Satan takes a man out of this protection and takes him out of the fort of Allah and makes man follow him. It is obvious that to take a man out of Allah's protection, he tempts him with virtuous deeds. Or one can say that a believer can only be taken out of the protection of Allah by giving him the temptation of good deeds. Now, in us you know, going through, well, quoting, the words of the fifth caliph there, it's come to my mind, and it's something like you were saying, actually, that we all fall foul of. So just to paraphrase you, you're mm. looking at something on YouTube or you were looking at your calendar and then you went onto YouTube and mm. before you knew it, you know, you'd lost a bit of time. And I'm sure if... Uh, I, I, I hold my hands up as well, right, mm. uh, to something like TikTok, you know, those those little TikToks, those 30-second TikToks, A, about golf technique, B, about <laughs> little cats, right, doing funny things. And before you know it, 15 minutes is gone. And, you know, and, and you know, I'm bringing it back to the, you know, these words of uh, His Holiness, is that actually, in the guise of something useful and virtuous, because it's a, it's a platform, right, it's a tool, you might, might have the thought of, okay, I'm going to research something. Um, like for myself, yeah, I'll look at TikToks and think, actually, I want to get better at doing something, golf per se. So I'm watching these things, but then you get diverted, right? Your attention gets diverted because you're in that zone of accepting something, right? Maybe you've started that journey with a virtuous heart. That's what I'm trying to say, right? right. But then <clears throat> Satan comes along and says, no, but look, look at this cute cat. It's doing all these funny things. And then before you know it, you, you've you know, you've lost that time which you could have used to do more productive and that's just the bare minimum right because you know there's all sorts of content out there right which is you know satanic and sinful right uh, so that's the the kind of I'm saying the knife edge that certain social media platforms have because they have these 
algorithms which tune into what you like, right? And they'll give you that kind of feed of what you're like. You know, whatever you search on YouTube, suddenly you're going to find actually things on your banner promoting the stuff that you've been looking at. Absolutely. I think His Holiness mentioned that istighfar, the one quality of istighfar is that um, because we all human and human has its weaknesses. Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran that, uh, you know, we created the human being uh, as a weak, uh, as a weak, I would say, as, he, he rely on other person and he, you know, as a weak um, human being. So uh, what istighfar does is that it gives you, it enables you and it gives you the strength to make the conscious decision. In one of the hadiths of the Holy Prophet, saying of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he said that I do istighfar, I do repent 70 times, more than 70 times in a day. Now, it, it, istighfar is, 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 has a two meaning. One is that one repent from his sin and the, the Prophet astaghfar, istighfar is to basically not, um, uh, not uh, to basically cover the human mistake. So when you do istighfar, you make conscious decision. And it enables you to give the strength to not to, you know, uh, not to uh, go into the, uh, I would say, into the, uh, uh, you know, into the hands of Satan. So yeah. istighfar really helps you to make conscious decision. And that is what uh, His Holiness, the fifth caliph of the Muslim community is emphasizing. Mm-hmm. And if we just going back to our main main topic, uh, the call to Islam, you know, using using social media. I mean, the most prevalent uh, Islamic stereotype is that radical Muslim insurgent, you know, who's bent on waging jihad, the holy war uh, against the West. Uh, and, you know, this stereotype yeah, usually represents or is represented by violence, right? Uh, and then uh, something that uh, Hassan was like saying about mm. how within the Muslim community, uh, other Muslims view Amadi, right? Amdi Muslims, that it's the the context that you say something in, and that's exactly if we if we expand that to the wider context of how uh, Muslims are viewed by non-Muslims globally, is that actually Islam goes hand in hand with violence, but we as Muslims know that that is the polar opposite of our religion. Correct. Absolutely. I mean, if the very name of Islam, it it, it means peace, mm-hmm. and uh, the Holy Prophet peace has been offered of Allah. And one one of the main allegation on Islam is that it, uh, the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi during his lifetime, he wages war against the non-believer. But it, this is totally wrong, because when you look towards the history of Islam, the th- the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi faced thirteen years of persecution, and then he migrated Makkah to Medina, and then the disbeliever they pursued the Muslims there and they uh, you know they wage war against uh, against them and then God Almighty revealed to the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon that now you are allowed to to defend yourself mm-hmm. and the, all of those battles main battles were fought in the defense not you know just initiating uh, the, the, those wars so this this notion and this allegation that Islam uh, really spread to the sword or Islam encourages violence is totally wrong one just has to look the history and uh, all of those wars were, were fought uh, just to defend uh, yeah. oneself. Yeah. I mean, and th- this is the misconception of Islam in the general media is just that jihad, jihad. What does jihad mean, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah, we can use these last couple of minutes to, to, to actually 
uh, before the five o'clock news, mm. say, you know, this, this, this idea, this concept of jihad, right? And in fact, the jihad that Western or mainstream media wants us to be associated with is actually the second jihad, right? Because the first jihad uh, is about that struggle. Because jihad is, is, if translated, it means struggle, correct? Yeah? Correct, absolutely. So struggle. And the first jihad is the struggle of oneself. And it's one's, uh, you know, your, your, your struggle to control your base instincts and to actually elevate yourself uh, to a, a higher moral and intellectual level. Now, if you achieve that or are able to you know, make those steps, then everything else actually falls into place. And whilst I'm you know, kind of like going on this bit of a diatribe regarding that, it brings into mind this, 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 this um, tradition or this sunnah of the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, whereby I think the story was that uh, there was a murderer. He came across a murderer or you know, someone in prison. And that person in prison had asked the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, you know, uh, Holy Prophet of the, or you know, Prophet of God, how, how can I, yeah, gain the acceptance of God or, you know, repentance of God for my sins? <laughs> and the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, said just one thing, just one thing, don't lie, <laughs> just that one thing. And if you expand upon that or you, you, you ponder what, the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, meant from that was that just from that one universal truth, in doing so, everything else will pan out. Because if you don't lie, then you're, you're going to walk the straight line, aren't you? You're going to walk on the right path. And thus as well, bring it back to the jihad. Mm. You know, this is what true jihad is. Absolutely. You very rightly, rightly mentioned that the true Jihad, the true struggle is against oneself and against one's ego. And this is the uh, the biggest kind of jihad which Islam promotes. And the, the, the jihad of the sword or jihad of the, you know, is only allowed when you one has to defend oneself. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, the, you quote beautiful story of, of, a, of, a, of a person who, who, who committed every sin which one can imagine and he came to the Holy Prophet and said, uh, you know, O Prophet of Allah, I have committed every sin, but just, you know, allow, just give me one advice mm-hmm. through which I am able to, you know, uh, shun all of other sins. And he said, don't, don't lie. Don't lie yeah. So uh, next time when he came, he, he was quite embarrassed, you know, he used to drink, he used to, you know, fornicate, he used to do every count. So, so he, he thinks to himself that if I'm going to present myself to the Holy Prophet tomorrow, so what he's going to think about me that, you know, I've, I've done again all of those, all of those, you know, vices again. So then he ending up, you know, uh, shun all of those vices. And so you're very rightly said that, you know, the, the, the greatest jihad is the jihad against oneself, the struggle against one's uh, you know, base uh, instincts. Base instinct, mm. Basic instinct, definitely. Yeah, your mm. base instincts, and to elevate yourself to a higher plane. Yeah, and, and thus you're able to actually reciprocate, uh, you know, the love of Allah. Uh, yeah, uh, and find that. The Promise Messiah explains that you know Islam means to 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 basically um, give all of your desire for the sake of God, and mm. this is the biggest kind of jihad. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In line your uh, desire with the with the instruction of Allah the Almighty. Mm. And you know when when we when you know 
it sounds a bit tangential to what we've been discussing, but actually the call to Islam, that's what it's about, really. It's aligning your material uh, or this, this life that we have in this world to actually... And, you know, going back to, um, to, to that, we're actually coming to the end. But anyway, that, that was uh, all we have to say regarding the call to, uh, to Islam through social media. We're going to the five o'clock news. Writings of the Promised Messiah, alayhi salam. It should be remembered that God Almighty, by demanding faith in the unseen, does not wish to deprive the believers of certainty of understanding the divine. Indeed, faith is a ladder for arriving at the certainty of understanding, without which it is vain to seek true understanding. Those who climb this ladder surely experience for themselves the pure and undefiled spiritual verities when a sincere believer accepts divine commands and directions for the only reason that God Almighty has bestowed upon him through a righteous bearer he becomes deserving of the bounty of understanding. That is why God Almighty has established a law for His servants, that they should first acknowledge Him by believing in the unseen, so that all the problems they face may be resolved through the bounty of true understanding. But it is a pity that a hasty one does not adopt these ways. Listening to the Voice of Islam Radio. as welcome back to uh, Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. We're here live uh, in our studios here in South London, uh, the Voice of Islam Studios. You're here live with myself, Talib Man, and Imam Imran Akram. We are now moving on to our second topic of the day: uh, serving humanity. Hazrat Masim Maud's uh, may Allah strengthen or may Allah be pleased with him uh, guidance to the youth now serving humanity is uh, you know the fundamental teaching of Islam I mean it's the second I suppose priority after worshipping God uh, that or instruction that is given to us uh, the very first chapter of the Holy Quran states uh, that all praise belongs to Allah Lord of all mankind as Allah the Almighty is the Lord of all all mankind he instructs human beings to be good to everyone and serve all mankind without any discrimination uh, islam teaches us to best serve uh, mankind through the teachings of the holy quran and the example of the holy prophet peace and blessings be upon him now in the in, in the holy quran chapter 
3 verse 111 God Almighty states O people of Islam you are the best people ever raised for the good of mankind because you have been raised to serve others you enjoin what is good and forbid evil and believe in Allah the promised Messiah peace uh, be upon him said sympathy for all mankind is a moral obligation and a duty uh, that religion is no religion which does not inculcate sympathy, nor does that man deserve to be called a man who does not have sympathy for him, uh, meaning the message of peace. He also went on to say that the teachings of the Holy Quran can be divided into two major categories, the first being the unity of God, love and obedience to him, and the second is to treat your brothers and fellow human beings kindly. Be kind and merciful to humanity. Always work for the good of mankind. And, you know, when we we talk about this, and I think uh, I prefaced it that, you know, as a Muslim, as a true believer, you know, that there's first of first and foremost two, two commandments given to us by God Almighty. And that commandment, first off, is to worship me, not me, obviously, <laughs> you're looking at me, but to worship <laughs> me, God Almighty, right? Mm -hmm. But also to do good unto your fellow brother to humanity to I would say humanity. this is the two main pillar of Islam that uh, worshipping Allah the Almighty and mm -hmm. uh, you know sympathizing and uh, helping uh, though helping the just human being regardless of their creed regardless of their you know background or regardless of their religion now uh, you know so, uh, the Holy Prophet peace and blessings of Allah be upon him emphasized so much uh, sympathizing or helping other fellow human being that all of his life, you will see that after worshipping Allah the Almighty, he stressed upon the rights of fellow human beings. So mm -hmm. There was a one very famously incident that, you know, in, in Mecca, the, when the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, he started preaching the message of Islam. So uh, the, the, the Meccans, the, the disbeliever, they, they announced that, you know, he's a magician. And, mm -hmm. you know, it, so people do not approach to the Holy Prophet And so that's why through that they would yeah, not just accept. To, just to give our non uh, Muslim listeners some mm. context there you know although you know you may think of oh Mecca is the holy place right is the holy place of Islam now mm -hmm. right it wasn't back in those days definitely, right yeah. it wasn't yeah. back in those days yeah. in fact they were all disbelievers <laughs> right at the onset yeah, definitely so so they 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 are not announced or they spread this rumor that the holy prophet is a magician so right. do not you know speak to him to, so he not able to spread the message of Islam so there was a very old frail lady and he he she was she was picking uh, she was has a, some you know a sort of uh, uh, things uh, with her which she could not able to you know uh, uh, lift. Mm -hmm. So the Holy Prophet came uh, to that old free lady and said, uh, "Oh, old free lady, uh, can I help you?" And um, she said, "Why not?" And uh, you know the Holy Prophet carried out his uh, things and you know um, uh, uh, along the way, lady said that I heard the rumor that there is a. That there is a person named Muhammad, mm -hmm. and uh, he's a magician. Right. So I cannot do anything for you, but only one advice I'll do: to please safeguard yourself from that person. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so uh, at the end, the Holy Prophet smiled and said, "That very magician is me, me Muhammad, and I'm helping you." 
So the, the old lady replied that if you're the machine, then your your magic works on me, and I became Muslim. <laughs> so, so this is the this is the uh, the teaching of Islam that you should sympathize mm-hmm. with your fellow human being, and this is the one of the main pillar mm. of Islamic teaching. I mean, and even I think that uh, example you've given us actually very beautifully um, illustrates that actually even if he's your enemy, right, he's still your human. Mm. Yeah, he's he's part of mankind. Humanity. Now, coming back to why we're talking about this message to the youth, um, you know, whilst uh, addressing the Ahmadiyya Muslim youth on the 1st of April 1938, Hazrat Musa Maud, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, Mirza Bashir Adin Mahmoud Ahmad, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, said, Kadam, meaning the youth, should make efforts to serve humanity, and while doing so, one doesn't need to only care for the Muslim needy people and widows. Rather, it is your duty to alleviate the problems faced by the Hindus, Sikhs, Christians or followers of any other religion. So actually, that's exactly <laughs> what I've just said. Um, and th- th- that's the whole point. It's that you, know, you give service to humanity. And so humanity knows no religion, race, color or creed. Uh, that's what you know the promised messiah peace be upon him made the point uh, that uh, you know if you love god mm-hmm. then you got to love the creation then you got to love the creation god's, of god's creation, god's creation. and yeah. th- this is you know this is goes hand in hand mm-hmm. that is why this is the main uh, pillar of islam mm-hmm. excellent mm-hmm. so we're joined by uh, imam uh, rajabahan and imam uh, rajabahan is a lecturer at uh, the Jama, uh, jamia Ahmadiyya Muslim community in the UK. Uh, Aslam, peace and blessings be upon you, Imam Rajabahan. Thank you for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Wa alaikum salam wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu. And just to correct a simple mistake that it is known as Jamia Ahmadiyya UK. Okay. And it has branches all around the world. In Canada, Germany, initially it started in Qadian by the great leader about whom we are talking today, mm-hmm. Hazrat Mirza Bashiruddin Mahmoud Ahmad, mm-hmm. Hazrat Muslim Maud Anhu. Right, you've really put me in my place now. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to go to the back of the class and sit there and let uh, Imam Imran conduct the rest of the uh, interview. No, no, thank you for that. Uh, so we're talking about uh, Hazrat Muslim Maud, right? I mean, how did he encourage youth to engage with their communities and contribute positively to society because, you know, we're talking about you know, just you know on the onset or the outset of World War Two. So let's have the context of how the world was then as well, right? It's not as interlinked as we are now. It's not so easy to 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 help you know, your neighbour, uh, let alone you know uh, whether it be a Sikh, Hindu, or Christian, right? So you know how how did he encourage and get that? further in the youth to do this i think the first and a very interesting point because when i was thinking about the life of Hazrat muslim and how he engaged the youth of the community for the service of humanity and also a very important point uh, the emphasis was that youth should have a direct relationship with the creator with Allah almighty as well mm-hmm. and all of a sudden i realized that out of the five Khulafa of Ahmadiyya Muslim community, Hazrat Muslim when he became Khalifa, he was only 25 years old. Mm-hmm. What I'm trying to highlight is, 
a young person can fully understand the need and what could be done for the betterment of the youth of the society mm-hmm. and that is why the things done by hazrat muslim aud razi allah as a caliph uh, that they were amazing mm-hmm. and they are still applicable because he was himself going through that time the youth age and allah almighty blessed him with the status of khalifa so that was a responsibility for him on him as well that how to reform the youth of his nation mm. and i think there is nothing wrong with it mentioning this thing that that the famous uh, sentence of hazrat muslim aud razi allah ho he repeated this many time during his um, caliphate that nations cannot be reformed without mm. the reformation of the oh, youth yes. yeah. so th- this is a little bit background which i would like to mention mm-hmm. and the second thing directly coming towards your question you know you are talking about second world war yeah. i think we must uh, keep in mind that when hazrat muslim aud became khalifa that was the time the first world war started mm-hmm. and then it finished and the whole world was going through so many changes mm-hmm. that, mm-hmm. that 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 um, that it was not easy for any ordinary leader to control his people his nation mm. and especially khalifa of the time the followers not only belonging to one nation or one country hazrat muslim aud razi allah on whose followers were from india from europe from africa from different part of asia from america from all around the world mm-hmm. so this is something amazing thing which we need to keep in mind mm. and yes hazrat muslim aud razi allah on whom while creating the link between the youth and their creator also taught them that without serving humanity you cannot rightly create your link with allah almighty so i think this is a little bit background i wanted to highlight in mm. the beginning mm-hmm. um uh, imam rahan um uh, before proceeding to my next question i would like to if you if you just clarify or give a short introduction Uh, about the personality of uh, Hazrat Muslim Aud uh, who was he and uh, uh, i mean what was his uh, how the holy prophet peace and blessings of allah be upon him prophesied about him and what was his significant in um, amadiya muslim community so i think uh, it would be okay, very that, easier that, for our listener to understand uh, who was a muslim uh, that is very good because i don't know what you people were discussing before i joined you mm-hmm. but i think very briefly i would love to mention this thing that the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam prophesied that in the later days the promised messiah the imam mahdi when he will come allah almighty will bless him with a son okay mm-hmm. so the originally the prophecy was by the prophet of islam prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him but i think it is also worth mentioning that during the lifetime of hazrat masih maud alaihi salatu wasalam the promised messiah alaihi salatu wasalam the founder of ahmadiyya muslim community in 1886 he spent some some time in praying to allah almighty and in the result of those, those prayers allah almighty in a way repeated that prophecy hmm. and again informed the promised messiah alaihi salatu wasalam that allah almighty will bless him with a son and that son will be having 52 attributes he will be doing some great work for humanity and for islam ahmadiyat so this is the background and in result of that prophecy hazrat muslim aud razi allah who was born in 1889 and what a coincidence in the same year 
the promised messiah alayhi salatu wasalam after receiving commandment from allah almighty he started ahmadiyya muslim community and when hazrat muslim aud razi allah unho in 1914 he became the second caliph of ahmadiyya muslim community and from there onwards 52 years of his life as caliph of ahmadiyya muslim community history is a witness that the prophecy of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam which was repeated in the prophecy of the promised messiah alayhi salatu wasallam was fulfilled in the life of hazrat muslim aud razi allah unho so you are right imran sahib hazrat muslim aud razi allah unho was the fulfillment of the mm. prophecy of the holy prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so so then uh, imam uh, bahan it wasn't a coincidence then obviously it wasn't yeah. a coincidence it yeah. was the plan of allah almighty exactly so this is pre preordained predestined mm. you know the prophecy like you said at the end of it uh mine was my 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 uh saying it is a coincidence is a bit tongue in cheek <laughs> in the sense that actually you know what it's a a repetition of the prophecy of within the holy quran and it has come to a fulfillment and just every aspect of um his holiness hazrat masimal's life is a fulfillment of, of that destiny really yeah i i think uh, because you said this sentence the prophecy in the holy quran i think again i need to correct it because it is a program which will be recorded and it will be available forever that uh, uh, the prophecy was in one of the ahadith of ah, the holy prophet holy sallallahu prophet, alaihi wasallam yeah. So, so, so yes, yes, it is like this. Mm-hmm. So, Imam Abraham, earlier you mentioned that uh, you know that the promised son will have fifty-two qualities, and one of the qualities, if I'm not wrong, is that he will be filled with secular and divine knowledge. So, considering that, how did the Hazrat Muslim, the second caliph of the Muslim community, emphasize the role of education in shaping uh, the youth to become effective, uh, you know, serv- effective servants of humanity? Mm. Um, Imran Sahib, I think a very timely asked question because we need to clarify one point here as well. You know, whatever Hazrat Muslim or Razi Allah who did, whatever the Promised Messiah Alaihissalatu Wasallam did, it was the revival of the teaching of Islam, mm-hmm. and there is no doubt in it. Our beloved Master Prophet Muhammad, peace and blessings of Allah be upon him, again and again emphasized on the importance of. education utlubul ilma min al mahdi ila allah simple translation right from the beginning of your life till the end of your life you should seek knowledge mm-hmm. um, seeking knowledge is compulsory on men and women seeking knowledge is important for everyone so hazrat muslim aud razi allah unho when he became caliph he realized that the islamic world is lacking behind in this fundamental teaching of islam mm mm-hmm. and that is where he emphasized that muslim youth muslim families they need to revive islam in this way as well that they they need to excel in the education in the field of education because this is exactly according to the instructions of the holy quran and the practical example of the holy master prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him and i think i, I must mention this thing Uh, that hazrat muslim aud razi allah unho on one hand he was asking his community to excel in the field of knowledge on other hand he himself was presenting an example of a mm. knowledgeable person 
uh, I mean, very briefly, uh, I have a long list. I know I cannot read it, but hmm. uh, his uh, his books compiled as Anwar Anwarul Loom, so are plus two hundred books, wow. some lectures, some books, mm -hmm. some speeches. Then his Friday sermons compiled as Khutbat Mahmud, the Friday sermons of fifty two years. Mm. Uh, you do the counting. I'm not going to do the counting there. <laughs> and there's then a lot, the, a, a lot of a, sermons. A, a, a brief um, uh, uh, commentary of the Holy Quran known as Tafsir Sagir, a detailed commentary of the Holy Quran known as Tafsir Kabir. So many more things that I, I think uh, if I'll simply read out the names, that is simply not possible for me. Mm -hmm. But I think the last thing regarding the emphasis of education by Hazrat Muslim Anhu, I must mention this thing that during the lifetime of Hazrat Muslim Anhu, he did another great job. Of course, he himself did not do that, but he trained a community which did this thing. The translation of the Holy Quran in different languages started during the time of Hazrat Muslim Anhu. Mm. And in his lifetime, I mean, this, this was a new horizon in Islam. And Ahmadiyya Muslim community was the first community which did the translation of the Holy Quran in English, in German, in Dutch, in Danish, in Swahili, in uh, French, in Italian, in Russian. And I don't know how to pronounce the other names. Indonesian is the easy one I can pronounce. So <laughs> they were in total 16 languages. Mm. So this was something new. No other community, no other Islamic community was doing that in the world. So this is just, just one aspect of mm. the great works of Hazrat Muslim for mm. everybody. And it just shows, just as you were saying, the, the propagation of the message of Islam. I mean, it, yeah, this is what a lot of people or a lot of other sects think about Ahmadiyya, uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community in general is that, oh, we're providing a new type of mm. Islam. We're not. And no, I think you said that right at the beginning of your answer to uh, Imam Imran's question there, or the last question, is that, you know, the promised Messiah, uh, may Allah be pleased with him, and, you know, uh, Hazrat Masih Maud came to us uh, to actually just bring us back to the true Islam. There was no revisions, really. It's just the true Islam. And, you know, with regard to that point, I mean, how did Hazrat Masih Maud address the challenges and obstacles that the youth might actually face in their endeavours to serve humanity? Okay, you know, because uh, we, we have earlier on, we have mentioned this thing that <clears throat> the time was very important. Mm -hmm. uh, establishing an auxiliary organization with the title of Khuddamul Ahmadiyya was a great work of uniting youth of the community for mm -hmm. the surface of uh, humanity uh, by Hazrat Muslim And I think if uh, you are not aware, I must mention this thing. When Hazrat Muslim started this auxiliary organization, in the beginning, uh, there were some other presidents of these organizations. Mm -hmm. But, you know, later on, for around 10 years, Hazrat Muslim decided to become the president of Majlis Khuddamul Ahmadiyya himself. Mm -hmm. And the whole youth of the community were working under his presidentship. You know, this is something something different, because nowadays we do have president of Khuddamul Ahmadiyya in mm -hmm. different countries. 
but i am talking about the time of hazrat muslim aur raziyallahu when he was the khalifatul masih and he was the president of qudamul ahmadiyya mm-hmm. as well like this with under his direct guidance the qudamul ahmadiyya understood the purpose of establishing this auxiliary organization you know hazrat muslim aur raziyallahu on many occasion himself participated in different work of qudamul uh, ahmadiyya himself worked with qudamul ahmadiyya himself took different meetings of qudamul ahmadiyya and guided them from mm-hmm. the fundamental level that how these simple works can be done and how we can serve humanity in the right way mm-hmm. so i think this this is this is the practical example of muslim aur raziyallahu anhu which helped uh, in the establishment of qudamul ahmadiyya lot Mm. So I, I think you know I, I don't know if you you may agree with me there, uh, Imran. Uh, sorry, Imam uh, Bahan. But you know, with Hazrat Masimal actually thinking that actually with this um, formation of this new organization for the Qadam for the youth of uh, the community globally, that it was so important that he himself had to take reign of it. You know. have basically two hats uh and you know just to see that that foundation of that organization was set you know in the in the correct manner it's like just building a house if your foundation is incorrect then no matter how many floors you build it's still going to be unstable so just to make sure that at the inception of you know that auxiliary organization as we now nowadays know as the kadam the youth organization is so solid that it's beyond reproach you you are absolutely right and as i mentioned this thing that hazrat muslimo raziyallahu anhu and overall all khulafa ahmadiyya and the promised messiah sallallahu wasallam himself they all followed the footstep of the prophet of islam prophet muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him mm-hmm. you know uh, uh, recently our imam hazrat mirza masur ahmad khalifatul masih the fifth the fifth caliph of the promised messiah alayhi salam he is in his friday sermons mentioning the battle of uhud mm-hmm. hazrat muhammad peace and blessings of allah be upon him he himself was present in the battle of uhud and mm-hmm. he was participating in that battle in the same manner hazrat muslim aur raziyallahu anhu while establishing teaching and nurturing the youth of the community he participated in each and every step and every work of this youth organization to teach others how these works can be done how organization can flourish and how on these solid foundations for many years to come we can work positively to serve humanity and to create our direct link with allah almighty Mm-hmm. Um, Imam Burhan, as you previously mentioned, that uh, the slogan of Hazrat Muslim Audrazi Allah Taala Anhu was that nation cannot be reformed without the formation of the youth. So, uh, what is the uh, what value did Hazrat Muslim Audrazi Allah Taala Anhu uh, emphasize as essential for youth who aspire to make a positive impact on the world? one of the basic thing hazrat muslim aur raziyallahu anhu emphasized for the youth is the need of the education and once the youth is fully equipped with the weapon of education in today's world then they will be able to serve humanity 
as much as possible. Mm-hmm. So whenever we read about uh, the constitution of Khudamul Ahmadiyya and different lectures of Hazrat Muslim Aud Raziyallahu, we find this thing that uh, he, he talked again and again from different aspects about the importance of education. And uh, that is why even in today's world, whenever our present Imam is talking to the youth, he does not only say that do this or do that, rather he tries to make youth understand what is the purpose of any work, of any commandment of Allah Almighty. In recent, this week with Hazur, when Hazur was talking with the Sekti Talim of Majlisat Falul Ahmadiyya UK, and he presented his report that we are going to do this thing for, for Salat and this and that, Hazur emphasized that you should teach your young boys that why do we offer namaz? Mm-hmm. And what is the importance of namaz? So, Hazrat Muslim who did the same thing. Importance of education, understanding what is happening in the world, and then serving, first of all, the people around you, then all around the world. And this, like this, Alhamdulillah, by the grace of Allah Almighty, Ahmadiyya Muslim community, following the instructions of Hazrat Muslim and Khulafai Ahmadiyyat, trying to flourish and serve humanity as much as possible. Mm. Very well said. Um, it's always a pleasure to speak to you, Imam Rajah Bahan. Thank you very much for joining us this afternoon on the Drive Time Show. Wa alaikum aslam, and the pleasure is all mine. Jazakallah. <laughs> Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And I think, you know, whilst we're going through, you know, speaking with Imam Bahan regarding you know just just the impact that the second Khalifa of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community had within I'm not saying that you know uh, subsequent caliphs have not had that mm. impact but you can see that you know to to be and rightly so you know have that destiny because that must weigh heavy on your your shoulders, right? Definitely. Because uh, if you if you know right, right, okay, I've come along. I am this person who's been prophesied to come along, right? And I hit all those marks, fifty two attributes. Mm. I'm born of, you know, this 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 lineage. Mm. That must weigh heavy on your shoulders. But then, I think, with Archelaus, they are the chosen ones, right? And I don't mean that in tongue in cheek, but they truly are chosen by God to do, you know, God's work. Definitely. And they just have this enlightenment and this this kind of like, I suppose you could say eye for detail. You know, it's like, right, I've come up with a plan. I see that you know our youth are lacking, and actually, this is the first time I've spoken um, regarding the life of um, Hazrat Masimaud. In the context of the time that he came along, hmm. yeah, uh, I think Imam Rajabahan said, you know, he became Khalifa at the end of World War Two, uh, World War One, and you know, through to World War Two, the the beginning of World War Two. So you can imagine. So yeah, I'm really one for context, right? So you can imagine the turmoil that the world was in, you know, after the First World War, and then coming into the Second World War, and then you know, your leading a community a religious community which has to actually transcend country politics 
Absolutely. Wars, right? Absolutely. How do you do that? Absolutely. I mean, Allah the Almighty says in the Holy Quran, "La yukallifullahu nafsan illa wasaha." That Allah Taala burden not any soul beyond its capacity. And with our Caliph, you rightly said that Allah, it is Allah the Almighty. No human being has a capacity to do anything with their within their power. It is mm. only it's, Allah's yeah. blessing uh, through which they are able to 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 to, to you know instruct uh, the youth. And you rightly cited uh, Imam Burhan also said that the Ahmadiyya Muslim. Uh, movement in Islam is nothing new. It is actually the revival of Islam. It's actually the true Islam. And when we look towards the Holy Quran, the Holy Quran emphasizes uh, on the you know on sympathizing with fellow human being. It says in one of the verse, it says that and worship Allah and associate not with Him, and show kindness to parents and to kindred and orphans and the needy and to the neighbors. That is a kinsman and the neighborhood that is a stranger, and the compa- and companion by your side and the wayfarer. So in this verse of the Holy Quran, Allah the Almighty does not mention that whether they are Muslim or not. Mm-hmm. It just say that help the orphan, help mm-hmm. the needy, help the you know traveler. So mm-hmm. that shows the the sympathy of Islam. That how much Islam sympathize or the religion of Allah sympathize with, with fellow human being. And this is mm-hmm. the second pillar of Islam after worshiping Allah the Almighty. So Hazrat. Uh, the second caliph of the Muslim community really focused on this aspect of religion, mm-hmm. and it in one of his sermons he says that um, the, the hadith of the Holy Prophet, saying of the Holy Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, is that uh, al uh, um, the, the 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 love of your country is part of your faith. Mm-hmm. So if you are not going to you know um, not going to sympathize with your country or with the fellow human being, that you're not basically. Uh, doing uh, justice, the, to, justice your to your religion, yeah. so that's why he really emphasized on 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 uh, basically serving uh, one's country and other fellow human mm-hmm. beings. Uh, and you know, to come back to you know, actually, you know, the guidance that was given by Hazrat Masimal, may Allah be pleased with him. I mean, in his Friday sermon on the fifteenth of April in nineteen thirty-eight, uh, Hazrat Masimal, uh, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, gave this guidance to the you know, to, to the uh, to the youth organization uh, regarding service to humanity. He said, you know, I have said many times that the efforts of serving humanity should be expanded as much as possible and everyone's hardship should be removed without discrimination of their religion and community, whether they are Hindu, Christian or Sikh. Our God is Rabbil Alameen, the Lord of all the worlds. And just as he is our creator, he is the creator of Hindus, Sikhs, Christians too. Therefore, if God grants us the opportunity, we must serve everyone. Um, even at a later date, uh, on the 20th of November 1955, whilst dress- addressing the 15th annual Ishtama, which is a gathering of uh, the youth organization, he said, or he advised the youth, do the best deeds, work di- diligently to your full capacity. And whether it is farming, trade or employment, one should present a good example. And whenever there is a need to serve humanity, do it more than anyone else. Always pray that you may be able to serve humanity. And whenever a calamity of any kind befalls the country, you should be at the forefront to face the danger so that the world may understand that you are like a pillar through which the roof of your country is stable. And, you know, just those words, and there's something that came up in the conversation with uh, Imam Rajabahan, is that 
foundation. It's this this kind of analogy to building a strong foundation. And although, you know, subsequent caliphs, yeah, are building on that foundation, but it should never be forgotten that, you know, it's from that strong foundation that we can branch out. Definitely. I mean, it is the quality of uh, the second caliph of the Muslim community. He was prophesied that he will, would be, will be born with 52 qualities. And the Holy Prophet, peace and blessings of Allah, especially prophesies about this promised son. Mm-hmm. So definitely uh, his role in Ahmadiyya movement in Islam is great. Uh, and uh, all of the organization, youth organization, Lajna, the girls and the, the boys or under 15 mm-hmm. organization is all set up by him. Mm-hmm. And uh, the really the foundation, which you said, is really, you know, laid by by the second caliph. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we're joined by our next guest of the day, uh, Imam Walid Niazi. And uh, uh, Walid is actually the national secretary of the Ahmadiyya Muslim Children's Association uh, in the UK. Assalamu alaikum, Valid. Thank you very much for uh, Assalamu alaikum. Peace and blessings be upon you. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show today. Welcome, Salam, and for having me. So um, we've been talking about uh, Hazrat Masimaud and his Muslim, Muslim, yeah, Muslim, Muslim out and his guidance to the youth. Right? I mean, why do you think you know it is important to instill? A habit of serving humanity in, you know, Amdi children and children in general, right? From an early age, can't that come after? I was going to Yeah, I mean, you know, at Amdiya, which is the the young children's department that we have within Kodam Amdiya, you know, we we try so just, and just, raise... just just for our non you know Muslim listeners, how how old is that? What is that range? Oh right, yeah. Sorry. Um, so that no, no. range is between ages of seven to fifteen, but okay. there is occasionally some departments that will cater towards under seven kids as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So for for that age range between seven to fifteen, before they go to Khudamlande, uh, which is fifteen to forty years old, mm-hmm. we try and instill you know the basic foundations of emediat, which has been taught to us you know just through uh, the the pledges, the bet, and everything that we go through. Um, and we try and instill that within the children. So when they have it at a young age, and they're used to it at a young age, when they get older, when they go above 15 and above, then, then they're more able to carry on these, these foundations that they've built upon. Mm-hmm. So that's, that's the importance then, is that, um, mm. yeah, because your first, as a, as a child, your first role models are your parents, exactly. first and foremost, yeah. And then, then you, you're, you know, your your close relatives, your extended community. And mm-hmm. I think where we have the benefit within the Ahmadiyya Muslim community is that we have a family with uh, actually a, a more external family, which is the community at large, that, uh, that you know, we can, although we have the examples by our parents, then therefore that is whatever we're being taught by our parents is reiterated and strengthened at the community level. Mm. Yeah. Um, uh, so, um, well, well, uh, um, I've got a question uh, for you that how do you um, encourage youth, Ahmadi, uh, young Ahmadi children to take part in activities that help them to develop the love uh, for humanity? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. So we teach young Ahmadi children the essence of, charity and love for humanity and provide 
a support and friendly environment that allows them to take part in activities within sort of their regions or local areas. Um, and this allows them to get closer to those that are less fortunate, which then gives them an opportunity to help and support them. So we have MD children who take part in activities such as food donations, clothes donations, they visit food banks, they do homeless feeding, they visit care homes during Christmas and other periods throughout the year. They do tree planting to get the essence of, you know, you know, not just loving people and humanity, but also loving the planet and the earth that they're living on, right? Mm-hmm. That's also something that they're quite, that's quite important. Um, MD Children also, throughout the UK, they're actively working towards a charity donation target. So we've been working with IAAAE um, to sponsor a model village in the Gambia called Murakunda that mm-hmm. will provide water and electricity access to their village of around 1,500 people. Oh, wow. So they've already raised around £24,700 so far, mm-hmm. and inshallah they can hit the target of £75,000 this year. Mm-hmm. That's amazing. And yeah. Yeah, do, on the back of that, yeah, I mean, how do you... I suppose because yeah, we're kids. Yeah, you're, you're talking about mm. seven to fifteen. There's a lot of distractions, right? Yeah. Uh, that society, Western society, is there. I mean, in the first uh, hour of the day, we were talking about social media. That in itself, per se, is a distraction. Do you find, uh, you know, what are your strategies to try and, you know, limit not limit, yeah, but actually limit the impact of social or more, I suppose wasteful uh, time I mean how do you kind of like because you know youth are full of energy right it's just yeah. how do you direct that energy into more you know like you said more these these productive avenues I mean that's the toughest part isn't it mm. <laughs> with, with kids especially but I mean um, in my day it was like either the carrot or the stick yeah <laughs> it's one of the two I'm sure you know anyway the stick is gone by nowadays right because you're going to get you're going to get you know visit down the police station but yeah, you, know, you can only have so much carrots, right? And of even course. that's that's too bad. So what? Yeah, what are your strategies now then? So I mean, at Falemdia, we've always employed this. But every week we try and hold in every sort of region or local area a a at class, so the mm-hmm. young kids class in their local mosque or in a local community center. So we try and get at involved in that a lot because once a once an once. A tifl, so a singular kid, uh, young child, mm-hmm. um, once he gets involved with these classes, they meet friends, they meet uh, different people, they, they start creating those bonds, and then they want to go more and more. Mm-hmm. So that's what we first try and install, sort of a brotherhood relationship within the Atfal. Mm-hmm. So then once they know, oh, my best friend's going, or my two other friends are going, or a lot of them have cousins and brothers as well of the same age, and they'll go to these places and these Atfal classes, and they'll learn about their sort of their faith. Mm-hmm. And once you start learning about your faith and you start learning about Ahmadiyyat, these sort of um, modern day issues that come through society, they're not as difficult to tackle for these Atfal because mm-hmm. they know their faith. They know right. what they're learning. They understand what they've been learning for the past, you know, from the age of seven mm-hmm. to 15, that's about eight years. For the last eight years, they've been learning, you know, this is my faith. This is mm-hmm. why I'm an MD. This is why I believe in this thing. This is why I believe there's one God. So these are the things that we're teaching them within the Atfal class. But of course, 
at Farquhar's, there's Dalimi things, and then there's things are real world, such as helping humanity and things like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, you spoke earlier on actually about, or you mentioned the pledge, right? So, what is mm. the significance of the pledge of the you know, Ahmadiyya Muslim Children's Association? So, effectively, the Atfal, you know, in fulfilling actually ultimately the expectations of Hazrat uh, Muslim Maud, uh, regarding serving one's country and thus its nation. Yeah, so as a Muslim who was keen in the reformation of youth, mm-hmm. so they are able to serve their faith, country and nation in the best possible way. So the pledge of MD Muslim Muslim Children's Association is that every child is um, every child reads in their regular gatherings, reminds them that they should be ready to serve their faith, country and nation at all times from the early age that they were to do this. Now, of course, as a child, when you're seven and you re- you recite a pledge, it's kind of difficult for them to understand. But once again, you know, these these things that we've instilled, so classes and activities and local things that we hold within regions and areas, these help them understand their pledge. Because even you can even speak to some that are 15 years old, 16, 17, they, they sometimes struggle to understand the pledge themselves as well. So it's always important to teach them from the ground roots that, you know, First, understand your faith, and then once you when you recite these pledges, it makes more of an understanding towards um, the pledge and your faith as well. Mm. Uh, and I suppose, really, like now more so than ever, with social media, um, mm. you know, we are a target, right? As a community, mm. anyway, within the community or within yeah the uh, yeah the community of Islam. And, you know, if, if you have that foundation, it's a shield, really, right? Exactly. Uh, yeah. And you just, you just know that beyond, you know, these you know, slings and arrows that are thrown through social media, that, oh, you know, you're a, you're a community of non-believers, that mm. you, say, you, know, you know that, that it's, it actually is a, it's a hollow threat, really, or it's, a hollow, it's a, just a bit of mudslinging, really, because, you know, you've instilled that foundation in them. Yeah, exactly. So that's why those, you know, I keep reiterating the point of those local classes. They're so important for these kids mm-hmm. that are between this age of seven to 15, where you are, you know, easily influenced by social media, by questions, or mm-hmm. it could not even be social media. Some of these kids who are eight, 10 years old, they don't have social media, but they have lots of friends who are non-Muslim, non-Ambu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they would ask these questions to them, a, a Sunni child or a a, you know, a Shia child might ask an empty child, you know, why do you believe in this stuff? My mum mm-hmm. and dad say this and that. Yeah. So these are these are the reasons why I always go back to this local class that that's where we're teaching them why these things are important. And then, you know, as you said, they're, they're hollow threats at the end of the day once mm-hmm. they understand their faith and once they learn. Mm, exactly. Well, Valid, it's been a pleasure speaking to you this afternoon. Thank you very much for joining us on the Drive Time Show. Jazakallah, Jazakallah for having me. Asalaamu Alaikum. Alaikum O two oh eight six eight seven seven eight seven eight or tweet us at Voice of Islam UK. And you know that you know, when when we're you know going through all these sayings of Hazrat Masimald, mm-hmm. you, you just it just refresh I, I suppose it rejuvenates me, right? Mm-hmm. In the sense that it's not a case of you know, when you have this idea of an elder. And uh, in, say, for instance, Chinese culture, right, you used to be a case of, right, whatever your elder says, for good or bad, it's because they're, they're your they're elder, elder yeah. you have to listen to them. And I'm not necessarily saying that with age comes wisdom. It should do, but doesn't necessarily mean you 
pick the right choices, right? Now, when you look at the the example of the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, and this has been illustrated definitely with our conversation with uh, Imam Rajib Bahan, is that on the one hand, he'll tell you to do something, or he has told mm. uh, the whole community to do something, and specifically you know, created organizations to, 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 to cater for those elements of the community, whether they be the youth, whether they be to the ladies, the lejna, uh, or the ansa, the you know the, the kind of like the above forties, yeah, yeah uh, communities. Because he he was able to identify right all these different parts of the community require slightly different things, Toxic, right? Things. To a kind of like figure that out and then come up with the idea, right? Okay, we're going to have organisations which cater to those. <laughs> But then to pick out and say, right, okay, actually, from the foundation up, I'm going to take charge. And with taking charge, it's not a case of, and this is why I bring in the analogy of kind of like Asian or Oriental elders, is that they will give you advice, but maybe not actually take their own advice. Whilst here we have in the example of Hazrat Masih Maud, he's telling, you must reform yourself. And there's no way you can say, yeah, but you're not doing it. Because he is the example there in front of you. Because he's doing exactly everything that he's telling you to do. Absolutely. I think this is the, uh, your, your whole, you know, which you mentioned is echo the, echoes the verse of the Holy Quran, which says that uh, whatever you do to, whatever you told other to do, first mm-hmm. do yourself. I think that yeah. that's the, uh, Hazrat Muslim, his embodiment of that. And, this is not just a lip service that, mm-hmm. you know, Hazrat Muslim told the, the youngster and all of the community member to serve uh, community, uh, serve, um, you know, all of the human beings, regardless of their background. Um, as as our second guest mentioned, Walid Niazi, that, you know, uh, the youth Muslim, they are doing blood donations. Mm-hmm. They are doing street cleaning. Uh, they are doing, uh, you know, homeless feeding. And look what happened in COVID, you know, COVID-19. Everyone were locked yeah, here. Food deliveries. Food delivery, yeah. And over Lajna, they were making the masks, you know, mm-hmm. and uh, um, other, other you know, healthcare equipment and mm-hmm. to, to deliver to the uh, to those who were fighting the, the COVID-19 uh, in the hospitals and, you know, front mm-hmm. uh, care, care worker. Care workers. Care yeah. workers. So, uh, so this is not just a lip service. Uh, the Ahmadiyya Muslim community does you know, in in fact, that does put those uh, word into action as yeah, well. Yeah, it's it's just not mm. false promises, mm. is it Definitely. really? Uh, and you know, just going on the back of what uh, Imran was like saying, you know, the, the uh, youth organisation. I mean, they have charity challenges uh, for fundraising. I mean, each year, thousands of members uh, from the youth organisation they run, hike, cycle, walk all just to raise charity uh, or, or to raise money for charities and it's not just charities that you pick it's every charity right and i think there's a uh, there's a cycle they don't just always donate or their their the money that they've collected to the same charities they kind of like cycle them around there's always different charities um i think Willy was uh, mentioning the mercy for mankind africa school challenge uh, you know, it's holding its first Mercy for Mankind charity challenge event abroad in the uh, Republic of Guinea at the end of April 2024. Now, the aim of this is to continue efforts in building new schools across the world. A small team of volunteers will be selected to help raise the funds needed in building 
the school as well as visiting the country in order to see firsthand the impact of their fundraising. Because it's all well and good, isn't it, to say, all right, okay, we're going to collect for this country in Africa. Hmm. But, and, and, you know, because they're there, yeah, you're, not, you're not seeing it. But when you actually go there and you see the impact that, you know, you're, okay, I'm going to, you, you might be a youth and say, look, you know, out of my pocket money, I'm going to put a pound every week or maybe five pounds every week. So a pound every week over a year, that's 52 pounds. Over, uh, if that's a five pounds, that's 250, 250 quid, right? And then to see physically, the physical manifestation of that money into a school and the impact that that has must be so awe-inspiring, right? And motivational for a youth. I mean, I know as I'm talking about it, it would be motivational for me because I, I mean, you know, I've donated to like the Masroor Clinic. Mm. Uh, you know, I know that you know, in one eye clinic somewhere in Africa, there's a brick that I've donated, but I've been part of that. And, you know, I'm helping there. And ultimately, we are only but following the guidance of Hazrat Masimal is to be, okay, okay although I'm not in the Kadam organization anymore, <laughs> but that, that, that credo of serving humanity, regardless of race, color, creed, or religion. Definitely, and that's what you know. One of our organization, a charity, a charity organization, Humanity First, is yeah, doing. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Humanity First operates globally, uh, responding, to, uh, responding to disaster and engaging humanitarian project in 55 countries around the world and recently Humanity First they launched a new campaign um, for, for Palestine yeah. you know, the, 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 in the fact they were the, on the first van hmm. right of or van or truck I hmm. should say of uh, goods going okay. into Rafa okay. I mean we had a, an interview we were lucky enough to have um, I can't remember his name but he was there on, on ground okay. uh, at uh, Gaza hmm. at the Rafa boarding border and yeah you know amazing yeah to be able to aid you know our muslim brothers and especially i think it's amazing to put your life in danger because going into those those areas you don't know what happened to you to you next so yeah. definitely it's uh, this a sacrifice uh, uh, time wealth and honor which which you know the the second caliph uh, you know made a pledge for over khudam for youth and also for uh, for 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 boys who under fifteen, and we really you know the Majlis Khudamul Ahmadiyya, the youth organization of Ahmadiyya Muslim Community, really putting those words into actions and really helping uh, you know the humanity. humanity. And uh, so, uh, uh, for, um, in fifty five countries, uh, the humanity first have their uh, projects around the world. It has provided around a five uh, five thousand twenty three water installation serving over 4.5 million people wow. and um, 44,000 cataract um, operation uh, built f- t- um, 82 schools worldwide and opened 51 training uh, you know center around the world mm. it has also provided millions of meals to people in need and is running a number of other humanitarian mm. projects and you know that's not just uh, around the world it's here in the UK you know we've opened up or humanity first has opened up food banks right to help people with the cost of living crisis. So this is all in the assistance and basically our second uh, priority as being a true believer, which is to help humanity, uh, you know, to love 
your love for humanity and creation and God's creation. And so, you know, in today's show, yeah, we've discussed the guidance of Hazrat Masimal, may Allah be pleased with him, uh, the second caliph of the Ahmadiyya Muslim community, uh, to the actual uh, youth of that community for serving humanity. Uh, we've discussed some of the quotes of uh, Hazrat Masimal on serving humanity uh, without any discrimination of religion, race, color, or creed. Now, at the end, we also touched uh, on some of the projects that are currently run by Ahmadiyya Muslims uh, around the world. At one occasion, Hazrat Masimald, may Allah be pleased with him, said, we serve humanity and have always been doing so, but we never publicize it boastfully that we did such and such work. But others acknowledge that we have made extraordinary efforts. So while um, advising Ahmadiyya youth, he said that I, in short, in this era, there are some who wish to um, tarnish your image through lies and f fabricated stories. It is now your duty to serve the country and nation with even more vigor and to exhibit your service as well. Moreover, tell the world we deem it our duty to selflessly serve the country and nation, but due to the opponent's false propaganda, we are being compelled to exhibit our services. Otherwise, our heart are reluctant to show off. Mm -hmm. uh, and you know that's the thing. You know that that's no point in showing off because mm. it's false, isn't it? Mm. But that does bring us to the end of Monday's edition of the Drive Time Show. Uh, a big thank you to our producers, uh, Sabiha Tarek and Maria Tuba. Uh, obviously, a big thank you to mm. my co-host uh, Imam Imran Akram. Uh, and you know this was Monday's uh, Drive Time Show. You're here live with myself, Talib Man. <laughs>